Hey there. Ever feel like you just need a break from the day-to-day of work, put on that out of office and be alongside peers learning from fellow nonprofits and industry experts on what they see working when it comes to fundraising, marketing, growing a monthly giving program, retention, everything that encompasses what you do? Well, if so, I have two events for you to mark down. June 4th and 5th is Donor Perfect's Community Conference Spark. It is for any fundraiser wanting to excel in donor management, program innovation, community engagement, and organizational growth, and it is free. So click the link in the show notes to register. And then an event that I have attended three years in a row is the NEO Summit, combining practical, actionable, and very data-informed content with also this really electric and immersive atmosphere. The NEO Summit is more than just a conference. It is a really fun and great place to get away from your desk and innovate your fundraising and accelerate your impact. So you can join hundreds of your fellow nonprofit professionals in Indianapolis in September on the 18th and 19th. And you can save $600 on your ticket right here. It is the lowest price available anywhere. So click the link in the show notes for both of these events. They are incredible. They put on an incredible speaker presentation, all tons of great resources for you. Invest in yourself and the growth of your organization by attending these two phenomenal events. What I was able to do is use an API to read every subject line and put an emotion to that subject line. And you can see in the report kind of how that breaks down, not just generally, but also in terms of open rates and click-through rates. The TLDR on that is that highly emotional subject lines, positive or negative, tend to be opened more and have more click-throughs, right? So that validates kind of what we would intuitively believe. But what's interesting that I found from that analysis is that most of the emails that are sent out are emotionless, even though most of the click-throughs and opens are with emotionally driven subject lines. So a lot of nonprofits are doing the exact opposite. Hey there, you're listening to the Missions to Movements podcast, and I'm your host, Dana Snyder, digital strategist for nonprofits and founder and CEO of Positive Equation. This show highlights the digital strategies of organizations making a positive impact in the world. Ready to learn the latest trends, actionable tips, and the real stories from behind the feed? Let's transform your mission into a movement. Hello. It is another beautiful day here in Atlanta, Georgia, because I am here with two incredible nonprofit fundraising professionals, marketers, gurus, extraordinaires. And before I get started and introduce them and let them introduce themselves, if I sound slightly funny, it's because half of my face is numb. (laughs) We were just talking about this. I had a temporary crown put on today. Anybody else understands dentistry work is just super fun. (laughs) That's right. It's the worst, Dana. It's it's (laughs) the absolute worst. I think I wouldn't make a crown or anything like that, a root canal, like on my worst enemy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like wish it. <laughs> I appreciate on, on that. People. I appreciate that. And that is the famous voice, one and all of Tim Sarantino. Welcome to the Sarantonio. show. Sarantonio. Sarantonio. Why did I say that? Tim, 
It's because half of my face is numb. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Any, any mistakes, folks? Uh, and I don't think you should edit anything in today's yes, episode. That's right. Anything that sounds out wrongly pronounced is slowly because the numbness is fading away that's and it. it's getting tingly. That's the only reason. That's the if only you start reason. Spouting weird conspiracy theories. It's the Novocaine. It's, it's Novocaine. That's exactly right. Well, Tim is the director of corporate brand at Neon One, and the other voice we have, Chirian Koshi. Welcome. We had not met before before this episode, yeah. and he is the VP of Development at Merit America. Welcome, gentlemen. Well, thank you Thanks for having so much us. for having us. Very excited to talk with you because I have gotten to dive through Neon One's nonprofit email report, and it is fascinating. There were over 30,000 campaigns, 1,500 nonprofits, 150 crazy wild million emails total where this analysis was pulled from. And I am a data geek and I love this stuff because what's better than pulling through the numbers and the data to figure out how we can be better, smarter marketers and thus the mission of this show. And so I'm very excited to have you both here. And Tim, I know you listen to the show and you know how this rolls. Cheery and I love to dive into the really super nitty gritty tactical stuff to give people ideas and strategies of how an email is so, 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 so important for that. Before we start, and I will mention this again, the report is going to be linked in the show notes so you can access that. And I also want to share, I will repeat this at the end as well, but there is an amazing resource that Neon One has for re-engaging lapsed donors with email communication. And I will also link to that blog post resource in the show notes. So just wanted to let you all know everything we're discussing here. If you want to view the beautiful graphics and presentation. It's not a crazy word-heavy report. It's really beautifully designed. So thank you <laughs> for that. Appreciate it. So that will all be provided to you afterwards. So that's just some background for everyone in well, the show. I, we, we did win an award, actually, for our design. Ooh. Like, we put it on the website. I didn't, like, put a press release out, right? Like, <laughs> I think that's very self-indulgent, but we did win an award for our overall graphic snaps, design. Snaps, snaps. And placed alongside like IBM, for instance, wow. in this. So we're pretty proud of He's the work snazzy. that Haley, Haley on our team does. She's a powerhouse. And, and so we wouldn't have the beautiful visual design without her. And we wouldn't have the report itself without Abby Jarvis as well, who mm-hmm. wrote the report, collaborated with Cheerian and I on it. I, I just simply kind of stewarded through the data that you mentioned. I love and it. kind of start to kind of look at the tea leaves, so to speak. Yeah. Because we view everything through the lens of what we call generosity experience design, which is simply how can nonprofits use technology to build trust? Like that's mm-hmm. that's really it at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And its core thing is like, it's a reputation thing. And email is so powerful and effective for any sized organization. That's what we found. So we're excited. The only exciting other things by the time this podcast comes out is new Giving Tuesday and end of year data. I'm going to be able to talk about it today, but it will be out by the time that this episode is appearing. So we can, Dana, I'll make sure you get that. access. You're going to hear the narrative of it first here. Woo-hoo. Like, fine, go, go read it yourself, but you can hear me talk about it. And then Beautiful. actually, I'm pretty sure we're going to take the entire report and ungate it and create a kind of like, you know how classy for their kind of Giving Tuesday stuff, they have a nice interactive 
visual report. We're going to do our own version of that. Brandon Logan on our team did this amazing interactive, clickable, searchable experience. So I'm pretty sure that's M&R Benchworks, classy. Yeah, that kind of thing. Mm. I think that's the way that reports like this should go for the marketing. Not, you know, the methodology should be very clear. But it also helps to understand it. Yeah. Right. And to interpret it properly. Yeah. It was helpful to And hopefully this conversation also helps with interpreting the data into how Let, it can let's be. get into it. What yeah. do, what do you yeah. what do you think your audience wants to know about it? What you know, we can go into the creation of it or however you want to go about it. Let's do it. Okay. So first I want to talk about trends and benchmarks just to kind of set the tone of what some of the findings were. Yeah. Context. When we talk about email, right, it, it can skew very small, it can skew very large as far as list sizes. Yeah. Just so everybody kind of level sets and has an understanding. What is the average list size, Tim, for small and large orgs? So average list size for small and large organizations. Let's I have the report itself for quick reference, folks. We did do a limited direct print run too. Dana, did I send you one of those? I did not. Okay, what I'm going to send you to the very first person from this podcast episode who emails me at Tim at Neon1.com, I will send you a physical copy of the report. Ooh. We only did 200 prints of these. so That's awesome. Sure, and you have one. I made sure you have one. Thank okay. you. Wait, say your email one more time. Tim at Neon1.com. I probably should have driven people to my LinkedIn or something, but I'm just going to keep it easy for that. That's okay. Okay. So when we put the report together, you mentioned some of the high-level items there, but it was around 1,500 organizations from 2022 that met a pretty straightforward criteria, but it's important to explain. So first, when we talk about email, this is not like the receipt somebody gets when they make a donation. Thank you for that context. This is not the nurture email welcome series that your MailChimp spits out every five days on the first trigger action. It's not a workflow automation email series. This is your honest to goodness, straightforward, I sent it through constant contact MailChimp style newsletter. The difference, though, is it's all through Neon One technology. And so we are able to see things, one, specific to nonprofits only. The big thing that we came across relating to your question is MailChimp cuts its analysis benchmark numbers at 1,000. There is no data under 1,000 emails on a list. Interesting. So number one, we said, well, I think we need to look at that specifically. And so we did everything in three different lenses. One, everybody had to send enough emails to enough people to justify the send itself. So if what we found with our development team, this is how Neon One basically pulls its data. And the methodology is very clearly outlined in the report. That's very important for mm-hmm. us. But long and short is like, you can't include everything. And Shirian's going to get into probably some funny things when it came to that too. But like, the reality is, is that if we included every single email ever sent through our mass email builder, the thing that kind of acts like constant contact or MailChimp, but we have it in our product. If we included everything, there's a lot of weird stuff under 250 list sizes, like weird stuff. Like don't use your mass email to send seven people a board meeting reminder. Oh, gosh. Was it done? Yeah, it was done. Wow. So when we got rid of that, before we even brought in Shirian, 
that actually removed about 30, 40,000 different campaigns. No way. The majority of the email is sent to like under 250 people. Wild. That's not in the report. And that's probably something to unpack. But there's a lot of like either hyper. It is a lot of event reminders when you get down. Okay. To it. Okay. That's, that makes that's sense. kind of the logic there. So once we saw enough of that, makes we're like, sense. that's weird. Remove. Yes. So then above that, we said, okay, let's look at everything and kind of blend it all together in an ad, in, you know, in, in kind of the mean, basically the average, actually. And then we said, let's look at under a thousand and over a thousand. Okay. And so if it was under a thousand, which is the typical nonprofit, that's 547 contacts. Okay. So the email list is 547 is on the smaller side. If they're on the small nonprofit, we define that as under a thousand in their list size. So 250 to 999. Got it. A thousand and above your MailChimp data, basically, for apples to apples comparison Mm -hmm. is 6,602 contacts. Okay. Bigger list size. Got it. Average, when you blend all that together and get everything is about, you know, a little less than 4,200. Okay. Now, that's important because the small nonprofit list, MailChimp just announced that they were going to increase their prices on email lists 500 and above. So is there a connection? I don't know. But like all this stuff is list size is an interesting one, but it's definitely not the last of the story there. This is why I use Flowdesk. There is no cost. It's a very entrepreneur platform, but it works for anybody, too. This is why we stopped charging for records for yes. our pricing. You shouldn't be like charged more because you are growing and being successful in expanding. That just seems like an opposite. Well, I can't speak for anybody else, but at least Neon One, we made the same distinction and said, I think it just stopped making sense to do this. There, yeah. there are a lot of business models like that. Yeah. I'm just chiming in to say there are a lot of business models in the sector that are disincentivizing growth, and it's really it's really problematic. So we got to figure out how to right size that. Yeah, agreed. Well, let's talk about how to grow. We're going to talk about growing email lists. But we're going to talk about how to efficiently. Some of the things I love in the report they have. I think it's page sixty one. They get sixty one. <laughs> we're going to get to this about how they literally. We're going to go talk through the anatomy of an email and how 61. to. You're yeah, good on so you. I want to talk Dana. about that. But first, all right. So let's just. Quickly run off some stats here. Tim, average bounce rate. And let's do the first number will be like small versus large. What did you guys find? Okay. The average bounce rate for nonprofits. And, you know, I really should have this all memorized by by now, shouldn't I? <laughs> but like, okay, where's the bounce? Because I got to subscribe. Bounce rate. Okay. Average bounce rate's 1.72%. Okay. Awesome. And that's for both? That's for everything. I'm always going to start with the everybody and then and then we can go into small and large. How about we do that for the cadence of this? Cool. Great. Small's a little bit higher, 1.83. Okay. And you're going to see variances in smaller lists, probably larger because it's a smaller list. So any even one, like literally adding one thing one way or another can have a huge impact huge versus right. the sense. other one, which then the large nonprofits bounce rate is 1.73. 1.73. So pretty much in line with the average, it's driving that. So that's okay. the bounce. That's okay. like people can't get the email because you got a bad list, basically. You got I a bad email. I say, like, what's your advice on what to do if that listener, if you're like, my bounce rate is higher than that, what to do if it's high? Well, first is acquire clean emails as out of the gate, right? Like encourage and make it easy for people to give you accurate information. 
right? Like if you're heavily relying on a clipboard <laughs> that has a sign-up sheet with oh, like, geez. yeah, yeah. And I still go to events all over for small nonprofits all over the place Same. where that's how they're still collecting their email. And that leads to error. So what can you do to streamline, even in person, you're collecting this information, how can you make sure it's accurate? And so that's the biggest thing is just list cleaning because your software should be removing this stuff eventually. Yes. That's the reality. There's also, there's a great tool. I don't know if you use this, Tim or Cherian. It's called Clean One Three, Clean with a K. So K-L-E-A-N-1-3. Mm. I use this. It's a really, I think there's a free tool to it. I'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did pay some very nominal fee. It was not expensive, but it goes through and it will clean out your email list. And it literally shows you if you had any bots, if you have low quality emails, who are your really engaged email. It's awesome. And so you can go through and just like purge and clean. And I would honestly recommend doing that once a quarter, maybe if you can get around to it, just to make sure that that bounce rate isn't affecting your open rate, which is the next question, Tim, dun, 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 average open rate. Average open rate. Okay, so first the caveat on open rate is that Apple screwed everything up when it comes to open yeah. rates anyway, okay? <laughs> Thank you for so saying we that. Put, we put it in the report, and it's just kind of like, even Cherian and Abby and I were in the beginning, we're like, yeah, like let's like talk about open rate, but let's really focus on engagement as like the real thing. Average open rate is 28.59%. So should people even like when they think about the open rate? Does it even matter anymore? Really? Jeremy, what are your what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's hard to sort of pin down like what to think about it at this point. I would say it's something to keep sort of aware of, but not make huge decisions based mm. on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. It's a supporting data point. It's like, yes. is there something wildly weird here? For any of these benchmarks, that's what we always encourage. Is yeah. like. The reason this report exists, and, and here's a really funny thing that it, we even had to teach our sales team. This is not a piece that like tries to sell Neon One technology. And that's very foreign for a lot of people when these reports come out is like, wait, like what's the catch? It's like the catch is like this data didn't exist and we're giving it to you. Like there is right. no catch. So the reason that we had to do this is that there was like really nothing for small nonprofits. MNR is great, but these types of metrics, they're for 187 really big nonprofits. And as we discovered, the MailChimp data wasn't representing these smaller organizations. So in the absence of that, this is a good starting point, but small nonprofits, especially like this isn't a Bible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do your own testing for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. Obviously, always, always, always do your own testing. But I think, right, you can make decisions more so if it's not based on open rate. If you have a large unsubscribe on an email, that email probably wasn't great. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> it's right? the click-throughs and the unsubscribes that actually are really important. But it is here is an interesting small open rate number that shows that open rate shouldn't be thrown out. Small nonprofits, the 99 and 999 and below, 45.7% open That's rate. really good. It's really good. And that can't yeah. be artificially inflated by Apple. Right. That's amazing. It's really good. And the large nonprofit open rate is 27.64. It's actually a little less than the overall average. And that's kind of the narrative here is smaller nonprofits in many metrics outperform large nonprofits. 
Do you think that's because they have a more passionate, closer supporter list that like knows them more versus large who knows where they're coming from and may do campaigns that are relevant for a time period, but then not? So I think the evolution in even the last few months in my understanding came was especially when we started looking at the giving Tuesday and end of the year data that, mm-hmm. that even Shirian hasn't seen yet. I like literally told him the existence of it right before you did. Right. Cause we're presenting at bridge tech. And so I'm like, I got new data. And so one, what was really interesting is the number of emails people send even on those days. Right. Like what's the narrative on yeah. Email and Giving Tuesday, Dana. Like, what is the biggest complaint? Uh, that there's a bazillion emails or not enough. I would say both. I either get inundated by one organization or yeah. I hear crickets. It's balance. It's the force all over again, right? <laughs> and so you need that balance. The typical nonprofit was sending only one email on Giving Tuesday in 2022. Wow. And we did look at 2021 data for Giving Tuesday but pretty much everything we're, we're really focusing on 2022 data. And we did find lower engagement, lower money raised compared to 2021 in a year that literally Giving USA was like, everything kind of went badly for individual giving. You know, right? it's fascinating to look at. This is so off kind of topic let's, of let's see where if I, have it. I, don't I know. was going, but that's fine. Is to do a comparison of nonprofit emails on Giving Tuesday versus how many emails we get from brands on Black Friday and Cyber Monday and Small Business Saturday. Because I know I get blown up by brands all weekend and I get text messages from them. I think it's just a perception thing. I think that there's a few also people that are on social media that love to complain about Giving Tuesday and it really kind of skews the reality underneath, which is that one, we can send more email. Not larger nonprofits are not performing as well when they're not segment. If they're just blasting and spraying mm-hmm. and praying, it's not working. Mm-hmm. And the more successful ones, even within our data set, I could validate independently. Oh, that's a small list of a larger nonprofit. Right. So some of them were segmenting down even into under a thousand. And because we, it's our data, that's the big difference is that we have the holistic ecosystem. So I can go, oh, I see the subject line. I see the emoji usage. I see, which is basically not enough data. Not enough people use emojis. That's another fun fact. Hmm. And then also we can see the money. That's the big thing that we're always missing is yeah. every time, even for MNR, it's a survey. Yeah. It's somebody said that they raised the money. Yes. So this is going to be one of my next questions too, because I think this is important. This is real money that I can point to. List acquisition. Yeah. Is what was the average raised for small nonprofits? So I want to get the number right, but it's definitely, this is one of the most exciting data points when it comes to this. Because I want to ask twofold while you're looking. So listener, the average amount raised per email, small versus large. And then Tim, the next follow-up, the average value of an email subscriber. Yeah, those are the important ones. And then I want to make sure that we hear from Shirian about all the cool AI stuff. Yes, yes. Oh, don't worry. It's coming. Oh, it's coming. I know that. (laughs) Sorry. I'm also catching up too. I should know this by now, shouldn't I? The average nonprofit is raising a few thousand dollars. You can get into the specific numbers in the report. And especially when when it came to Giving Tuesday, let's actually get into the Giving Tuesday data that I'm going to use this data that okay. is not in the report 
the main report that you've seen, Dana and Sherian, to get into the money. Because what we saw was Giving Tuesday, let's focus it on Giving Tuesday. We could talk about end of year if we have enough time. Yeah. So Giving Tuesday, average nonprofit raised during their campaigns. And, and we get into the, again, the methodology explains these numbers. But we control and manage the data around all of this securely. So, so this is our data. This is actual money coming in from donors or being entered by nonprofits, right? And so on Giving Tuesday, in 2021, the average nonprofits Giving Tuesday campaign actually did about $8,200. Nice. It dropped 24% in 2022. Interesting. Wow. To about $6,200, which is where the overall average in the report is cited too. Okay. Small nonprofits, their average amount is about half, no matter what, $3,000. Okay. But the percentage drop from 2021 to 2022, 1%. Oh, basically nothing. 2%, 1.93%. 2%, 1.93%. It was like a nominal drop. Right. But large nonprofits, 25.47%. Huge. Huge. Okay. And was that because of less emails being sent? Not enough segmentation? We get into the, the why a little bit into the report. But one, it was just a hard year for individual fundraising overall in 2022. Yeah. And we had to remind ourselves that we had unprecedented highs in 2020 and then trailing 2021. And Cheerian, a lot of Cheerian's economic analysis is stuff that like saved me in the beginning of the pandemic. So I actually am going to shut up. And Cheerian, I want to kind of get your take on when you hear that data, why do you think that might be happening? I mean, it's hard to really unpack that without knowing a lot more. So I'm hesitant to kind of throw out like, this is why and, and be dispositive. What the report indicates and what I think, what I've experienced in the sector is that we haven't really right-sized what to do or how to do it. And because we're sort of reinventing the wheel or just sort of, as you mentioned, sort of spraying and praying, Mm -hmm. we're not consistently testing against the baseline. We're not optimizing, doing A-B testing, segmenting, and all of those things I think potentially get worse, the larger the organization becomes and the more difficult it becomes to steer the organization, right? Yeah. And I think a big part of this too, look, my first job out of college was working for a nonprofit and I was in charge of our email and social and I was never taught how to do email marketing or how to use tools efficiently or how to segment properly. Like I think a lot of it just comes down to you don't know what you don't know. And you're just figuring it out as you figure it out, honestly, and seeing mm-hmm. what works. I mean, I have a lot more strategy now into how I send out my emails. And Cheery, and I actually want to go into the AI part of this because I think when we talk about the open rates and email success, the only reason, and I have a fun question for all of us to answer on this, the only reason that we even start the email conversation is somebody has to click to open the email. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where it all starts. And so you did a really interesting study using AI with the subject line for an emotional sentiment. Can you talk through what your process was for that and kind of what you found out? Yeah, absolutely. This so, is wild uh, weekend of like <laughs> Hail Mary support that Tyrion gave me kind of at the last minute. It's a miracle that this thing exists. Like I yes. was just gonna say, Tim texted me like on a Friday. It was like, Hey, can you and I was like, 
I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> so a lot of sentiment analysis that we're all probably familiar with looks at whether it's social media posts or email subject lines and categorizes the sentiment based upon whether it's positive, negative, or neutral, mm-hmm. those three characteristics. And frankly, I find that pretty useless. I don't know what to do with positive, negative, neutral, and a whole bunch of email oh, subject thank lines you. It's the same neutral, thing on social right? media platforms. Yeah. When I was a manager with like Hootsuite and Sprout Social, like positive, neutral, negative. I'm like, so? Yeah. <laughs> what do I do with that? How do I optimize against that? What not? So I did a bunch of research to figure out what are the opportunities that are out there that are for sentiment, for classification using AI so that I could take all of this anonymized data that Tim sent me and come up with something that would actually be useful to nonprofits. And there's a model out there that has 27 different emotions so anger, disgust, hopefulness, things that we that actually make sense. And what I was able to do is use an API to read every subject line and put an emotion to that subject line. And you can see in the report kind of how that breaks down, not just generally, but also in terms of open rates and click-through rates. The TLDR on that is that highly emotional subject lines, positive or negative, tend to be opened more and have more click-throughs, right? So that validates kind of what we would intuitively believe. But what's interesting that I found from that analysis is that most of the emails that are sent out are emotionless, Mm. even though most of the click-throughs and opens are with emotionally driven subject lines. So a lot of nonprofits are doing the exact opposite and of what the data indicates in this sample set of what you should be doing. As we said before, this isn't like biblical truth. You shouldn't take this and and apply it directly, but it gives you an opportunity to continue to test. And I'm going to give the greatest example of that, which Dana, you alluded to earlier in the episode, which is the anatomy of the Mm -hmm. most engaging email of 2022 which when you look at it in the report breaks nearly every rule that we established mm-hmm. earlier in the report. Yeah. That was not by design. The way that I came to the arbitrary, what is the most engaging email of 2022 was I looked for the largest list that had the highest engagement rate. Okay. Yeah. That's it. When Charing is talking about these emotions, I think it's fascinating. So this is page 37 in the report to get mm-hmm. specific mm-hmm. if you want to look at it. The top performing subject line emotions, it was the feelings of relief, yep. gratitude, pride, excitement, and optimism. And it explains and it categorizes why each of those and examples of subject lines for each of those, yep. which was so cool. And also, what a cool tool if that existed as part of, I don't know how to build that into, I mean, Tim's like, wow. Just give us <laughs> okay i'm just gonna tim's just making my wildest dreams come so, true it's all good but <laughs> it is it is very cool and the report was made much richer because of cherian's contribution but cherian well thank you what was a word that we had to remove <laughs> so this is funny one of the highest performing words in the data set was cannabis <laughs> oh that's hilarious it significantly drove open rates and click-through rates. Significantly. Oh, it's my favorite fact that didn't make it into the report. It's a podcast yeah. only. Like, that's, yeah, that's hilarious and yeah. amazing. 
<laughs> Overall, what we found is that emotions, connection, drive things. And, yes. and that's why smaller nonprofits were outperforming too. And to kind of answer something that I don't want to leave hanging, the, even the average per email contact on list file is higher for small nonprofits, over $6 versus a dollar or an 11 cents for the average. On just Giving Tuesday? No, just everything. That's just across everything. everything. Okay. Yeah. And Giving Tuesday, it only goes down a tiny bit, tiny bit for the yearly average. So when we look at the things overall, smaller lists perform overall pound for pound better, but when you get down to it, larger lists just raise more money right. <laughs> because right. they're larger lists. They're like larger, it's, right. a, it's a war of attrition in many ways of like, I'm going to get it out of these people regardless of the results. Like, yes. I don't care if people are disengaged, I'm going to keep going after them. Right. Yeah. And there's a balance. There's a balance there. And I think what's also interesting, Karen, when you're going through the words, <laughs> the most engaging and the least engaging words to use. And I was shocked. Can you tell us? The word newsletter. Yeah. Your findings were so interesting and totally opposite to what I thought. Totally opposite of what I would think as well, but the data doesn't lie, right? So subject lines that contain the word newsletter had an average open rate of 33% and a higher click-through rate than those that didn't. Blows my mind. Now, there are some subject lines that performed better, of course, but I think there's sort of an expectation around certain nonprofits and the word newsletter that you know, people wanted to engage with. There's a part of this that's, you know, here's what the data says. And then there's the why question that Tim keeps bringing up that I don't necessarily know the why without doing further study. Mm -hmm. But I think the moral of this entire project for me is that with a few bucks, I didn't spend that much money at all, but putting together some of the tools and analyzing tens of thousands of subject lines took a weekend of like binge watching Netflix and letting the APA run and then running it through some data analysis. But even a small, tiny nonprofit probably don't have 40,000 subject lines to run through, but you could do this so quickly, so easily and be able to build that baseline understanding of what is working, what isn't working, and where do we go from here Mm -hmm. based upon this starting research and use that to optimize your strategy. And that's what I'm most excited about, about... AI in the sector is that it's so ubiquitous and so cheap to do now that it sort of democratizes data analysis. And all of these cool things that we are talking about today used to be something that you would have to have like lots of engineers working on stuff for months to be able to pull SQL and blah, 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 and do sophisticated analysis. Now there's a bot that can do that. Absolutely. I can upload a transcript of this podcast and ask for a summary and it'll pop something out. I think the critical distinction between what Cheerian did and what we're seeing in broader application, though, is it's for us, specific to us. Right. It's nonprofit data. It's nonprofit experts. It's nonprofit analysis. It's nonprofit narrative. And I think what this also proved is the MailChimp variance alone shows that if a company is not dedicated to the nonprofit space completely, yes. they're not going to be completely dedicated to the nonprofit space and their analysis, their support, all of that type of stuff. It doesn't mean that nonprofit tech vendors are automatically correct by any means. That is sure. not the case. But at the very least, if we step back and start to ask ourselves, is this information designed for me as me as a professional in the nonprofit space? And how can I use this 
to connect better with people, yeah. then that's where the cool stuff that the AI starts to open up. You, if you put people first, it actually is a lot better. It's actually a lot better because then you have that, that kind of grounding to contextualize it. Yeah, there's so many there's so possibilities. Much. There's so much that can go into. I want to be cautious of both of your time. I could talk about email forever. 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 I do want to ask you both two kind of fun questions. Is there an email in your inbox? Both of you open up your inboxes. Sure. Dun, 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 dun. Is there an email in your inbox today, right now, subject line, that catches your attention and why? And I'll go cheery on you first. Is there anything in your inbox? I was going to say, nothing in my inbox is super exciting because it's all sort of like work-related or something that I'm sort of expecting. There's one that has a subject line that says, what you need to know to win big on social. Or another one says, the only three things that matter. And there, it's sort of clickbaity, but it tends to get me to open those emails. Mm-hmm. And one person that is stays in my inbox and not in my unroll.me subscription list, so it takes all my emails and puts it into digest, is Rachel Muir's subject lines are really, really good. Hers are really good. Hers are pretty good across the board. She writes good good stuff. I always think that she's actually emailing. I mean, there are times yeah. where she's actually emailing me, but I always get the feeling that Very they're personal. designed for me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Tim, how about you? Anything that pops out? Mallory Erickson's and Julia Campbell's emails already came oh, in my yeah. inbox. So those are, are pretty good. Right now, on my work side, it's a disaster. And it's mainly like the thing that popped out is is the bridge presentation headshots call to action that we got, which <laughs> Sherry and I are presenting on this. So I just got that too. <laughs> hey, there you go. So one, if it's valuable and immediately actionable for somebody right. to pay attention yeah. to, then that's a good thing. However, let's go to my personal inbox. I got one where it says, it's from Interesting Facts. I honestly don't know how I got on this email list. But it says, ever wonder why movie previews are called trailers? And it's like, well, now I might actually yeah, want right. to know about that. <laughs> and so one of the things that Abby Jarvis also talks about in email is the Ben Franklin effect, which is asking for a favor. Mm. And so from a tactical mm-hmm. standpoint, being able to say, hey, can you do me a favor? That might, if even a subject line, that can actually drive potential engagement because instead of a transactional thing, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm going to enter into this and, you know, this person, I'm going to help them out a little yeah. bit. And so that's something that Abby talked about that I do think from a tactical standpoint in this context, like that helps a lot. And I have started doing it myself and it's really effective. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. It's like a psychological thing. Check it out. Thanks, guys, for letting us have a little sneak behind the inbox. (laughs) Yeah. Not behind the feed these days. Okay. Again, Neon Ones, this report, everything we're talking about, linking to it in the show notes. Timeframe-wise, before we wrap, Tim, Giving Tuesday, end of year, this report that you have, anything that you want to throw out? And there's so much. There's so much. Ultimately... I think the big takeaway is take a breath Mm. and think intentionally through your strategy to focus on your audience and visualize and understand your audience and the different nuances of your audience as much as possible. Segments into large, smaller lists, as demonstrated by our Giving Tuesday and end-of-the-year data, because only 24% of nonprofits sent emails on both. That's another thing. They were doing one or the other. Yeah, bizarre. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did a head uh, tilt. 
That was Tim's reaction. <laughs> that's a head tilt. That's why I respond like that. So that's the thing. I don't think we're sending enough email. Mm-mm. But we're sending too much of the wrong emails. That's right. Reminder meeting minutes. Reminder. <laughs> whatever. Meeting member meeting. <laughs> if you were to put together the worst subject line, the report, basically, if you pull together, reminder member meeting. So to this point, and I actually reached out to a development director because of this. I am a monthly donor. Yeah. So monthly giving went up in 2022. I am a monthly donor to an organization. The only emails that I have received are my monthly receipts. And then I recently got asked, can your employer match? Okay, well, I am my own employer, so <laughs> I don't know how that would work. I guess so. <laughs> but that's the only emails. And so I reached out and I told her, oh, oh, and I was asked recently to increase my gift. And I said, I don't even know what you're doing with my first gift. Mm. I would love to know some impact results about what's happening since I've been giving to you for over say. a year at this point. And I reached out to her on LinkedIn to just say, hey, I just want to let you know, this is kind of the cadence of what I've been seeing and we're going to actually schedule a call to talk about it. And I get it, teams are small, but these are the things to think about. Like, yeah, watch yourself on the amount of just asks that go out versus the value and the other thing that all just wrap from the consumer side that's receiving all these as a donor is, and we all are to organizations is be very clear on ideally a singular call to action within an email. Yes. I recently got an email where there was literally eight different call mm-hmm. to actions. And I'm like, I don't know. Where do you want me to click? Really? Where do you? It's too much choice. It's yes. too much choice. And the data did validate focus calls to action perform much better. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So takeaways. Yes. I love breathe. That's a good one. Segment, segment, segment. And think about the experience. You were actually hitting on my other one, which is the generosity experience is not the donor's journey, you know, itself, right? Like that's a very set thing that people go through. The overall experience that people have is the, is do they trust you? Mm-hmm. Do they trust you? That's what a generosity experience is, is ultimately that aggregate of trust of all those different emails and touch points and flyers that you get and conversations and things that you see. If you see the executive director arguing with a donor on LinkedIn, that's amplification on trust, right? Things like that. totally. And so thinking through how, when, why, you know, be a good detective about it and then get into, cool, now what can I do with the tech? Right. Mm -hmm. Now I understand who I'm talking to. What do I want to do? What am I missing to make that happen in my tech stack? Then, then the cool stuff can happen because you have a very clear path forward on it. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here today to talk about emails. There's so much more to unpack. We're going to have to do a part two episode. Yeah. I wouldn't be a good marketer myself if I didn't tout the importance of also growing your email list and I think Tim, Cheering, you may not may or may not know this, but I love ads. And Facebook and Instagram ads are a great way to build a passionate list. If you have a really great lead magnet that's focused and provides value, it can help with that open rate. It can help with click-through rates, all the things. So if you're interested on running lead generation ads for Giving Tuesday and end of year to kind of boost that list... It's smart. That's smart. Yeah. If you have the capacity to do that, it's one of the best drive points, I think, on social is to an email list. So I love yep. that. Sharon, I want you to have the last word, though. I love that. I, I think a lot of people, especially with social media followings, are trying to figure out how to build on rented land and struggling now mm-hmm. with like all that's happening in the social media universe. Whatever you can do to build your email list is certainly important. Yes. Agreed. I recently said... 
I did an email about an amazing new tool that I found. And I, I think, I don't know, Tim, if you saw it, I posted on LinkedIn. Hey, if you want my analysis of this new... I did see that. Yeah, I knew we were talking. So. Can, that's an example, right? And I said, if you want this, here's a link to... You could just fill out a simple form to get on my email list. The same thing on social. And I think that got me 25, 30 new people just from asking on social. So wow. it's not nothing. And it's exactly the type of people that I want. And that's just one example of something like that, not an ad. But Love it. thank you so much. Where can listeners connect with you? Cherry and I'll hit you up there first. My name's pretty unique in this space. So on LinkedIn, it's Cherry and Koshi. Same with my website. And the nonprofit operating system is nonprofitoperatingsystem.com. Perfect. Tim. Tim Sarantonio. You could look me up on LinkedIn. That's my preferred social network. You can also reach me, as mentioned, at timatneon1.com and we'll see uh, who I'm sending something to. Perfect. Can't wait to see everybody's emails. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell I love talking all things digital? (laughs) To make this show better, I'd be so grateful for your feedback. Leave a review, take a screenshot of this episode, share it on Instagram stories, and tag Positive Equation with one E so I can reshare and connect with you.